Folks, welcome back to the Norwood Noise Podcast. It is November 30th, uh, 2022. It's been 21 whole days since we last spoke with you. Our apologies on that. Um, I mean, if, you know, in the in the interest of full transparency, uh, the beginning of the basketball season just kicked both of us uh, right in the rear. Both Graham and I have had an incredibly busy couple weeks. Um, then we were both on vacation, being out of town. Um, over Thanksgiving, family stuff, all that going on. So it's just been a hectic couple of weeks. Um, but we're finally back. Promise we'll get back to that weekly schedule. We're trying to decide right now between Sunday nights and Wednesdays. Um, last year we've been doing Wednesdays, but Xavier plays a lot on Wednesdays, which is kind of a tough ask um, for us to make it work. So it might be more of a Sunday night thing. Again, we'll see. We're trying to figure out what works best for us. But we will get back to the weekly recordings. Um, but anywho... Uh, so moving forward, we're going to uh, stay on the once a week. And yeah, so anywho, Graham, how you doing, buddy? It's been a while. Um, we haven't really even spoken on, obviously, both of us being out of town. So how you doing? What What are your preliminary thoughts on the season? And uh, have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's good to be back. And as Evan mentioned, I mean, it's been a little bit of a... Uh madness honestly about you know trying to balance both of our schedules and then like the one time someone has free time the other person most likely isn't free during that so we're trying to figure it out and we promise that once we have a good day going on that we'll be back to normal uh, in terms of college basketball I've you know it's just been great to have it back you know um, even last night Evan and I were just kind of hanging out doing some homework unwinding and then it's just like oh look Michigan Virginia's on so like let's just throw that on so it's nice, you know, that there's games constantly going on, and in the early season, there's always these, like, nice either neutral site or home-and-away series games where there's not a lot at stake, but it's just two good teams, you know, kind of giving you a preview of what's to come once conference season, like, comes around. So I've really liked, you know, college basketball being back, um, but it'll be more exciting to talk about with you guys for the next hour or so. Absolutely. So... I think our best way, the the best way that we've decided to kind of tackle this uh, massive content that we've missed, because there's been so much from, you know, a few early season games. We always had Gavit games going on early, kind of that second week of the season. Um, Champions Classic, we got to talk about, you know, a lot of great games early on. Then obviously, of course, everybody knows their favorite, the the preseason uh, non-conference tournaments, you know, Maui, Battle for Atlantis, Phil Knight, all of those. So we haven't covered any of that. We also have the start of like the Big Ten ACC and the Big 12 Big East this week, which also have had some notable results. So again, a lot to cover. 
basically what we're going to do is we're going to run through the top 25 briefly as of this week. And then we're going to kind of go through and talk about trends, talk about who's trending upward, who's trending downward, um, talk about a few notable results, things like that. Um, and then we'll kind of go from there. And again, I promise we'll, we'll stay caught up after this. Um, but yeah, so anywho, so starting off at the top, um, Houston, number one team in the land, I think kind of as expected so far, a little bit by default, I've had some, some top teams fall off, um, from that top 25. But again, I think Houston kind of delivering as expected so far. I haven't seen a really huge test out of them, um, just yet. Um, but again, I think more to see from them. I, I'm looking forward to personally seeing what they have to bring, um, to the table, you know, moving forward once they get into some, you know, better and better competition. Um, but Graham, any preliminary thoughts on the Cougars? Um, not quite. I mean, they've been handling business about, um, everyone that they've played. Um, but the problems are, is that, um, they haven't really played much of anyone. Uh, but, uh, coming up next week, they play Alabama and then they play at Virginia. So couple of really good games and there. they play st mary's uh this this week as well so they have some very reputable programs that are coming up um before they kick off their season um so i, I feel like it's just like hard to like give them like a good gauge uh, about how good they are but i am excited to see um what they look like in those next three games. Yeah, I agree. I watched the second half of their game at Oregon, and they seem to just really handle business. Very, you know, professional-looking team, well-rounded. Um, but again, overall, nothing too crazy. Nothing that seemed super, um, you know, outside of expectations or anything like that. So, um, Houston obviously holds the one spot. Um, good on them for taking care of business early in the season. But I am looking forward to that game against Virginia, especially. I think it's going to be a really top-tier matchup. Um, Texas Longhorns coming in at number two. Um, they beat the brakes off of Gonzaga. Um, I watched majority of that game. Really just, I mean, an all-class performance from Texas. Um, the new Moody Center on campus looks awesome at Texas. I'm, you know, as much as I'm, you know, impartial and not a huge fan of of Texas as a whole, um, I think they look really good early on, and that new arena looks awesome. So, um, Graham, let's take it from there on anything on Texas. Yeah, um, Texas so far... It's been, like, unbelievable, you know, when you talked, we just touched upon the Gonzaga game, they just looked so dominant, and then um, in their other four games, they haven't really played much competition, uh, which is what you'll see out of these top programs, and they've absolutely just, like, haven't even, like, worried about any games yet, um, but this week, you know, they play uh, Creighton, which is, like, kind of like the crown jewel of the Big East so far, um, so it'll be interesting to see, like, a for both teams. I mean, that's like a statement game for both teams to see, um, like, how good are they actually. So I'll be looking forward to that Creighton game uh, for Texas. Couldn't agree more. I think that's going to be a, a really great matchup tomorrow night. Um, and then, of course, tonight we've got, like, North, North Carolina plays uh, is going to Assembly Hall. They play Indiana. Um, Ohio State Duke is tonight as well. Um, and then, yeah, like you were saying, Creighton in Texas tomorrow night, and then also Kansas hosting Seton Hall. So a lot of great games kind of in these next few days. Um, moving forward, we got Virginia uh, in the three spot. I think, again, like we were saying, they've been playing as expected. Um, with a couple great marquee wins, they beat Baylor and they beat um, Illinois in that early season. I don't even know what, what the exact name of it. It was in Vegas. Um, it was like a four-team bracket deal. UCLA, excuse me, UCLA was the fourth team in that bracket. 
Um, again, all of those teams, I think overall looked solid, um, but especially especially Virginia coming out of that, um, they they seem to kind of be the most outstanding team out of those uh, out of those four. Obviously, winning both games, but really just handily, like taking care of business. Um, and yeah, I mean, Illinois seemed like a team that could get hot. Terrence Shannon Jr., when they were playing in UCLA, I think he went 8 of 9, or maybe it was 9 of 10 from 3. It was unbelievable. Um, and Illinois traveled really well for that tournament as well. But overall, I think Virginia taking care of business there. Really no surprise. And I think similarly, same deal here. Um, Arizona taking care of business down in, uh, in Maui, getting the win over Creighton by 2 in the championship game. Arizona, another team that we've seen already, looks like is going to be the team to beat in the Pac-12. And I've heard some early shouts, and Graham, you let me know what you think. Maybe are they better than last year's team? I mean, you, you'd think it'd be hard to beat that because um, that team is unbelievable. But Tommy Lloyd showing um, early on that he can really take care of business in his, in his first couple of years at Arizona. Yeah, uh, touch upon Virginia real quick. I've been, like, paying attention to them because, I mean, everyone was all high on Virginia in the early uh, off season. And I just like didn't know if they would uh, be as good as you know we were used to Virginia for those few years. And I think my biggest takeaway is that usually like the Virginia teams that were very good, you know, the national championship contending teams, they were just like solid offensively, unbelievable defensively. This year, I mean, they're close games against their top teams. I mean, they've played, um, they've played at Illinois and Michigan, and they played another uh, solid Baylor. team, Baylor. And, like, all three, Michigan, Illinois, and Baylor, was able to put up a lot of points on them, and Virginia just outscored them. So it's kind of like a new brand. I mean, we'll have to see, like, once, like, everything kind of fizzles out to see how yeah, Virginia's I mean, team's going to look. But I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they beat uh, they beat Michigan 70-68 to 68 last night at the Chrysler Center. And then the Illinois and Baylor games were both neutral site games. They beat Baylor 86-79 and Illinois 70-61. So that 61 is a little bit more on brand, like you were talking about, a little bit lower scoring. Um, but yeah, outside of that, you know, up 70 points and upwards in those other games. So um, yeah, a good point A good point there from, uh, you know, kind of looking at their recent results. Yeah, and another, uh, you know, to touch on Arizona, they've looked really good, really dominant. I mean, they've been lighting up the stat sheet. Um and then, you know, I was looking ahead because I, I knew that uh, they played Indiana coming up. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at their schedule, and they played Utah and California just, like, out of the blue. Yeah, the Pac-12 does that weird thing where they got, like, two conference games there early on in the season. I, it's I, so I, random. It's it's random, but, I mean, I'm kind of a fan of it to, like, kind of just... Uh, test the waters a little bit, yeah, see how you're looking. Yeah, test the waters, like, see how everyone's feeling before you, like, get into the last stretch. Yep. I mean, Arizona has a very difficult schedule uh, in terms of, you know, that you have to play... Um, Tennessee and Indiana and they just played Creighton and San Diego State is a very good program mm-hmm. so I mean they've looked really good so far I mean I think that once non-conference play is over um, Arizona is going to be one of those teams that's going to be like the early favorites to you know make some damage into their um, in, in their conference and then when the NCAA tournament comes around yeah completely agree um Another team that is uh, is undefeated and sliding into that five slot um, in the current AP Top 25 is the Purdue Boilermakers. Um, after some kind of speculation early in the season, oh, you know, are they going to be, you know, up there competing with last year's, you know, talent level team, obviously losing a lot of uh, key pieces. They've shown that they can do it. Uh, going up 19 spots this week. Uh, after sw- absolutely rolling through the Phil Knight tournament, 
um, the legacy bracket that is uh, this past weekend. Uh, they they rolled Gonzaga, they rolled Duke. Um, so I guess my question to you is talking about Purdue, and and as well as Gonzaga and Duke, just kind of lumping together that Phil Knight legacy bracket. Graham, is Purdue that good, or are Duke and Gonzaga just not as good as we thought they might be? I think um, Purdue is that good. Um, you know, they started off their season early, you know, playing Marquette, and Marquette has looked very good. They're two Which, losses. I mean, we'll two, get to that later, but know, yeah, I mean, they're. Teams. Um, and then West Virginia, they absolutely handled uh, once they got to Portland. And West Virginia looks solid. Like, they don't have the record right now. West Virginia beat Florida by 30 on the final night of the Phil Knight tournament. But, like, metrically, um, you know, the Ken Palms, Evan Myers of the world, like, they all love West Virginia. Um, Yeah, West Virginia's ranked higher than Xavier is going into Saturday's matchup. Mm -hmm. And then they absolutely handled Gonzaga, handled Duke. I mean, they look really good. Um, You know, as you said, like, you can make the argument, is Gonzaga that good? Is Duke that good? Or whatever you want to talk about. But at the end of the day, the athletes and the coaches involved in those two games to absolutely handle them. It's not like they cruise past them and like, you know, they hit like a buzzer beater three or right. whatever, got lucky on like the last few possessions. No, like they destroyed two yes. very good teams. No matter what way you slice it, like, oh, are they that good? Are they going to make a run in the tournament? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's Gonzaga and Duke back to back nights. Right. No, I agree. I mean, I think, I do think Gonzaga and Duke are going to come back to the field a little bit. I feel the same about a lot of teams this year. Um, and I don't think the Gonzaga Duke are gonna by the by any means like run away with anything this year. But I agree. I think Purdue has been unbelievable. I am the biggest believer in Matt Painter. I think he's doing a great job. Um, and, and I hope this continues for the for the Boilermakers. So, anyways, moving on. Um, a few one loss teams here. Um, Baylor and Creighton. I don't think too much to touch on there. Uh, Baylor suffered a huge loss last night. They suffered their second loss of the season after losing to Virginia in the preseason uh, Vegas tournament. Uh, then they lost to Marquette last night by, what was the final? Was it 27 they lost? Yeah, it was upper 20. <coughs> we Graham was talking about it earlier. We were just sitting in here, and uh, Graham all of a sudden loudly yells into his phone, Marquette basketball. And I was like, oh, that's right, they're playing Baylor. And I was like, I, I'm not, you know, didn't think too much about the score. Uh, pops up, Siri gives us a great nugget. 51-25 to 25 at halftime, Marquette was up. I don't even know what happened. I, I We didn't watch the game. Uh, I haven't even really seen highlights yet. Um, the couple clips that I did see, there was, like, one point where, like, they were up, like, 29 to 6, I think. I mean, it like, it seems as if Marquette and Shaka Smart literally came out and just blew the doors off of Baylor from the start and then, like, never really let up. Um, so, again, we'll see if that's – and, again, I don't know if that's – because this is kind of what we were talking about last night, like – I don't, again, I don't know if that means that Baylor's not that good or if it means that Marquette is that good. You know, we were talking about last night, like, Shaka Smart, like, kind of surprised he didn't do even better last year in his first year at Marquette. So not really that surprised to see them playing well um, early on in the season. Like you were saying, they they suffered a tough loss. Uh, they have two tough losses so far this season um, to Purdue, who obviously is now an undefeated team, and Mississippi State, who is still undefeated, hasn't played as much, you know, good competition, but still a great team. So, again, we'll kind of see what um, comes from that. Um, Creighton in the seventh slot. Um, 
again, I, I don't think too much to touch on here. They lost to a good, uh, obviously a very good Arizona team. You got a big text test coming up this week at Texas. At Texas is going to be tough. You know, going to their new arena. Um, if they bring the same energy they did against Gonzaga, I don't really see how Creighton's getting out of this one with a uh, you know with a win. But we'll have to see. Um, and then another one last team at the nine slot. We'll skip eight really quick. Um, but another one last team in the nine slot is the Kansas Jayhawks. Um, lost to Tennessee by a significant margin in the final of Battle for Atlantis. Ken Palm loved that matchup. Ken Palm was all day saying that Tennessee was going to win that game. Um, they were one and a half point favorites. Vegas loved it as well. Um, and obviously Tennessee took care of business winning by double digits. So I don't think really any surprise there. I think Kansas is a good team, not a great team this year. Um, they've had some production issues and really defensively, um, seen a lot of issues from the Jayhawks early on, especially I know Self was talking about it in that Tennessee game. He had Grady Dick on the bench towards the end of the game, and people were wondering why, because he had been such a you know great offensive uh, threat for him through that whole tournament. But Self straight up said in the postgame, he was like, he wouldn't play in defense. So we're gonna, you know, we're gonna roll with the guys that can you know guard the ball. So um, again, I think the Hawks will be fine. They got a couple big tests. They got Indiana coming to the field house here in a couple weeks. That's gonna be awesome. We were talking about that the other day. That's that December 17th. That could be maybe the greatest sports day of all time. There's like, what what was it, like eight top 25 matchups in college basketball and it's the World Cup final? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, that's so good. So, excited for that. Um, but that kind of rounds out our top 10 with one-loss teams. Um, and then really quickly, I'll just touch on UConn at 8 and Indiana at 10. Those are our other two um, in the top 10. Both undefeated. UConn rolled um, through the Phil Knight invitational side of the bracket um granted didn't have to play north carolina because north carolina was eliminated um by iowa state so maybe a, i guess a slightly easier route by the metrics um towards the end of the bracket but still got some good quality wins there for uconn um they beat a good alabama team handily um so yeah i think the huskies are kind of showing up and saying hey we're you know we're here to play too i think a lot of the talk has been you know, oh, Sean Miller's back at Xavier, and oh, you know, Creighton's so good this year, and oh, Villanova's starting out poor, like, maybe it's going to be Creighton and Xavier, and I think UConn's like, hey, you know, we're here to play too, which I think makes the race in the Big East ever more exciting, um, and I can't wait to see what comes from it, um, but I think this Husky team could be a, a real issue. Um, Adama Sonogo is just, he is so, so good, so... As we round out the top 10, Graham, I'll let you take any of those points, kind of any which direction you'd like, and feel free to touch on any of those teams. Yeah. Um, first, we'll talk about UConn. Uh, that's scary. I mean, the fact that they handle business the way that they did is... Um, obviously, I'm going to be confident in Xavier as, as soon as conference play starts, but, like, um, I've really been, you know, on, like, this horse that, like, it's Creighton, and then it's just... Who wants it? But the fact that, you know, UConn has looked at times better than Creighton uh, so far is very scary and, you know, makes me nervous, you know, with what UConn will be able to do. Um, and then touch upon Baylor. Um, that the, the Michigan game is a very confusing game. Or not Michigan, the Marquette, Marquette. game is very confusing to me. Um because while Marquette is good, yeah, like if you if you lose a close one there at Marquette, like that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And and like uh, I'll throw in Shaka as like one of those coaches that like no matter what five guys you give him, like his style of play, his coaching techniques, they're you're good enough to compete with anyone. 
even if like it totally, isn't like, totally agree. Like in the past few years, like when Virginia hasn't been good, it isn't like oh yeah, we play at Virginia, nothing to worry about. You know, right. it's still Virginia. it's still Tony Bennett. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like the same thing uh, when you look at you know when you play Marquette. But at the same time, I was not expecting them to completely destroy. Um, a Scott Drew Baylor team. Yeah. And then to um, <coughs> touch upon Indiana is the only other one I'll really get into. Um, they looked very good against us. They have been benefiting, in my opinion, about how they've only really played us. And that while there's a bunch of like teams like constantly going at it and you know these preseason tournaments, they're kind of like trading blows. And Indiana's just been able to like cruise past most of their games. They had a good test with us. Um, and then, like, that's kind of just been it. But their games coming up have to be one of the hardest in college basketball these next two weeks. They play North Carolina, Arizona, and at Kansas. That that's is difficult. That's unbelievable. That is very difficult. So we'll be, they're like one of the teams that I'm like, is are they that good? And I think that those three games will prove. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll get to we'll truly get to see. Of what Indiana is looking like. I agree. Um, we've got a tie for 11th, which I don't really know why we've been doing this recently. Um, but Arkansas and Alabama, both one loss teams. Tennessee as well, also a one loss team from the SEC. All three of them, I think, kind of fall into the same boat for me. Um, but I, I, what I will say is the fact that we've got those three teams all above Kentucky in the AP poll, like. I think the SEC for maybe the first time, not I'm not going to say ever, but for the first time in a while is going to be a really, really fun conference to watch this year. Um, you know, I think it was last year because last year was kind of the big coming out year for Oates and Musselman and guys like that. Um, and Rick Barnes is really starting to establish himself. But I think this will be the first year where it's, where it's like been known going in like there's going to be four really good teams coming out of the SEC and I'm very excited to see what that brings. So I think there's going to be a lot of great interconference games there. Um, Auburn as well. Can't forget to mention them. Um, they're undefeated. <coughs> Excuse me. They're undefeated. But again, like you were saying earlier, haven't played a ton of great competition. Um, but again, I do think overall, like, I guess they did play St. Louis at home and, and snuck past them, which that St. Louis team is very good. But um Point being, I think the SEC is going to have a great race on their hands this year, and I'm very excited to see what comes of that. Um, Gonzaga down to 14 uh, with two losses. Again, this is going to happen with Gonzaga. They play a ridiculous non-conference schedule. Um, they've got some unreal games coming up here um, on their short list, so wouldn't be surprised to see them take another loss or two. Um, but I do think overall this Gonzaga team is going to be just fine. Obviously, we got to see them up close and personal when they played Xavier the other night. Um, again, think they're a good team. Um, they've just suffered some tough losses early. Again, they got blitzed by Texas, but that was on the road in a really tough game. And then they lost to Purdue, which, again, like we've said, very, very good team. Um, but they play Friday in South Dakota at the uh, – uh, it's at the, the – the what is it? The Pentagon uh, Pavilion in, in South Dakota in Sanford or whatever. Um so, yeah, they play Baylor there, so that's a really solid game. They also have Alabama coming up. Um, they've got Washington, which is always a good one because Washington always wants to beat um, Gonzaga. Uh, and then you get into conference play, which, again, I do think – I don't know that the WCC is what it was last year, but, again, I do believe that they can be a good conference again this year. But 
So yeah, not worried early on about the Zags, but worth noting where they're at. Illinois, one less team, again, kind of right there in the mixer. Um, and then the other two big ones I just want to touch on here are, are Duke and UNC, both at two losses, 17 and 18. Um, I think quality losses, obviously Duke, um, losing to Purdue and Kansas, both great teams. Um, North Carolina was Iowa State, and now I'm blanking who was the other team that they lost to. Um, oh, goodness. Alabama. Alabama, thank you. Um, yeah, so again, both solid teams there. Um, I think Iowa State's AP ranking isn't, you know, obviously it's they're not, um, they're only 23rd in the country, but I think they deserve to be higher than that. Um, so yeah, I just think early on in the season, a lot of different things going on, a lot of teams kind of jumbling for very few spots. Um, but kind of there in that middle, I think, you know, the big takeaways are the SEC race is going to be super intriguing. Um, and we'll see how kind of the big blue bloods, the Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Gonzaga's rebound after a kind of a rocky start. Yeah. Um, There's not much really that I have to add. I feel like you summarized it well. Other than um, I'm a huge fan of Gonzaga, you know, stocking or stacking their um, their non-conference. I mean, totally agree. They played Michigan State, Texas, Kentucky, Purdue, um, Xavier. I mean, even though that was part of the tournament. And even like playing like Washington, who like isn't an unbelievable team, still playing like a power six team. Um, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of that. And then they uh, play Alabama as well. So I like that they have shown effort. Um, if they're not going to be able to join a conference, that they're kind of like building one of their own in terms of their non-conference. Um, and the Blue Bloods, I mean, I think it's really funny that like the uh, – AP Top 25 includes, you know, 17 to 21 of Duke, North Carolina, Kentucky, Michigan State, UCLA. It might be a little bit of a name bias right, uh, in there, but um, it'll be interesting to see like, how the rest of that shakes out. Um, I think that the ACC and SEC races are going to be very entertaining uh, this year. Yeah, I totally agree. I think there's, I, I think it's kind of a similar deal in the Big Ten as well, although Purdue may be silencing all of us so far, but... I do think it's similar a similar situation in all three of those conferences of there's a lot of really good teams. I don't know if there's a great team. You know, I don't know if there's a outstanding like they're gonna go be in the Final Four team. Um, outside of maybe Virginia and the ACC, who was part of my preseason picks make the make the uh, Final Four. But again, who knows on that kind of stuff. Um, but I do think a lot of those teams are are going to be kind of a variable. Um, you know. There's not going to be like an out and out like two loss team that's going to win the conference. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be a team with four or five losses that's going to win those conferences. So again, super intriguing, makes for great conference play. Um, to round out the top twenty-five, we got at twenty-two Maryland, Kevin Willard, first year, doing well so far. Twenty-three we mentioned Iowa State, twenty-four San Diego State. That's a two-loss team, but a good team as well. Um, and then at twenty-five, a one-loss Ohio State, also receiving votes. TCU fell out of the top twenty-five, but I do think they'll be back soon. Um, they just got to get their feet under them a little bit. I was in there. Charleston, West Virginia, like we mentioned. Um, Mississippi State undefeated. Texas Tech just fell out. Michigan, Wisconsin, UNLV, Arizona State, Miami, Florida, Oklahoma, Mizzou, New Mexico, Kansas State, St. John's, Virginia Tech. So, again, just kind of a jumble of good teams. Like we were talking about earlier with Xavier, like I think they're another example of, like, this is a good three-loss team. Like, not concerned at all about where we're at. 
Obviously, it's unfortunate that we couldn't pick up. We kind of talked about, like, would have loved to get one of the three of Indiana, Gonzaga, or Duke. Like, one of those would have been really, really nice. But they don't hurt us in the long run. So, you know, we'll get to the Musketeer minute later. But I think overall, you know, not a time to panic by any means. We lost all of them by, what was it, combined 13 points in those three games. So, again, like, super, super close games, playing well, like, figuring out the kinks early in the season. And I think we're going to be just fine come conference play. So, all right. Um, I think we're going to, you know, move past uh, top 25. And um, first thing while we're talking about all these great teams, um, I think it's fair to talk about uh, a team that hasn't been able to piece it together quite yet. Um, Louisville Cardinals. Um, wow. You know, I know that it was stripped from them and, you know, you're not supposed to acknowledge it, but this is a team that in recent memory won a national championship. And they had every scandal in the book under their belt for a while. Uh, they had Chris Mack for a few years and just wasn't able to kind of like piece it together. And um, it was hard to recruit, they've said, like, because like players didn't want to go to a school that like maybe was going to get like a ban or right. whatever. That's what um, happened to Oklahoma State as well. It's the same situation. Um, so, you know, they come in this year after hiring Kenny Payne. You know, there's some like buzz around Louisville, like, oh, maybe they're going to be back, you know, what they were at the height of their time with Patino. And they have just been awful. Um, they were saying, you know, Kenny Payne, you know, mentioned for a while that they were a basket away from being three and zero. Um, after losing to Bellarmine by one, Wright State by one, Appalachian State by one, and you know, I was kind of like, all right, I mean, I could kind of see where you're coming from. You probably should still beat at least two of those teams. Right. Um, but it was like, all right, whatever. And they went into um, Maui, you know, heads up high feeling good and they get a tough draw i'll give it to them you right. have to play arkansas and then their next round they play texas tech Two it's great a tough teams. draw yeah but man they got absolutely embarrassed yes it was like an exhibition game for arkansas and especially texas tech and then they lost to uc as well who has proven that they're not a great team yeah in the year. uc game they were they were doing well. Right. They were up like almost double digits, and then they just kind of like forgot that they had to play the rest of the game. Right. Um, and then you play Maryland, who's looked really good this year. Yeah. And Maryland rolled. Yeah. So now you know you're looking at the rest of their schedule, and they you know they sneak uh, sneak in two ACC games. They play Miami and at Florida State, and then they play Western Kentucky, uh, Florida AMU, and then Lipscomb. Those are three. Those last three should be. Very winnable you games. You should win those games, yes. And I'm just like <laughs> looking at it right now. It's just like you. There's always like bad teams in non-conference Absolutely. play, and then when you get to the conference play, there's those bottom feeders that like aren't even making yes. like an NIT or CBI. It's just you know they're not good, but they are playing inferior programs in terms of money enrollment, um, their buzz around the campus, and they have not been able to do anything and like you go to maui and it's like this is an equal opportunity for all teams neutral site um and you're kind of just you know testing the waters and they look bad again that's the thing where it's like i'm not exactly expecting them to go out and like win necessarily even win any of those games but like they didn't even look competitive like it was really really unfortunate and i think the thing the big thing that we kind of talked about graham is that you know, this is a team and this is a program that has a lot of tradition, that has a lot of passionate fans, that has a lot of, you know, 
great supporters and and all of the means and resources to do well. And the fact that they're just not even relevant in their own conference is unfortunate to see. And I, I think we all agree. Like we hope they turn it around. We hope that Kenny Payne, you know, is able to put mm-hmm. put some things together here. But um, I think Louisville, to some extent, is already kind of looking at themselves, like looking around, like, hey, did we make the wrong decision here? Like, yeah. Like, really, what are we doing? Because it's it's to the point of. I kind of put them and Georgetown in the same boat a little bit. And I think Georgetown's kind of realized, like, yeah, we made the wrong decision. But I, we all have kind of acknowledged that they have not come out and said, but it's kind of been understood that this is a little bit of a hot seat year for Ewing. Like, this is probably mm-hmm. it. Um, you know, so again, I think it's it's time for Louisville, probably about halfway through the season, to be like, all right, like, you know. What's next? We, yeah, what's that? We got to get this right because – this isn't like, you know, I think there's been a lot of buzz around, you know, like Cal as well. In Cal, like, it's unfortunate, but it, it's not like they have a super historic program. Like, over time, they've traditionally not been an amazing basketball school. You know, where this it's a little different with, with Louisville and with Georgetown both. And um, especially in the Louisville case, just, you know, great facilities, great arena. Like, you're ho- like they're hosting the South Regional this year. Mm-hmm. at louisville in the yum center and it's like if you don't even have a breath of competitive basketball this year like that's a really rough look on your university on your city you know and things like that so we'll kind of leave it at that yeah um i don't know that there's too much else to say but it's it's worth noting so. yeah i after the maryland game i was kind of like looking at louisville and like whatever and there's a great uh segment um that Borzello put out after um, their Maryland defeat. Kenny Payne goes, we did not compete. We did not fight. We didn't meet their intensity. At times it looks like we gave up. And Payne further elaborated and said um, after the game, he asked everyone in the locker room if they've given up on the season. And um, he said you know, that they have not given up. They said that there are times when adversity hits and they panic and they don't play together. And they haven't understood fully how to handle adversity when it's been hitting. So that's like that's a coaching philosophy thing. I mean, you right. gotta like instill in these guys like how what to do in situations like that. Um, and L. Ellis, who's a senior guard, he's a JUCO transfer. He's been one of the few bright spots. While it's been rather inefficient offense, he's been averaging about 18 points for them this year. Um, he goes, we told him no. Uh, we're competitors. Why would we quit? Things happen. We're going through a rough time right now. That doesn't mean we're going to quit. We just have to keep playing. And that's a positive mindset. You know, that's like their yeah. senior captain, voice of the locker room. But it's very, it's it's uneasy to me that like seven games in, Kenny Payne is not just like behind closed doors, telling the media that he's not sure if his players are like trying. Right. <laughs> like that is not only like from a like, like, from a coaching standpoint, a locker room standpoint, like, a bad look, obviously. But, like, I just can't even imagine, like, as a fan, like, what that has to feel like to be, like, oh, like, we don't even know if, like, our players are giving the effort to go out there and win games. And and I think that's, like, it's different than last year with, you know, and I'll use, you know, the the kind of end of the steel era and, like, the, the collapse of last season for Xavier basketball. Like, as an example... 
like I think it was very apparent that like the kids cared and like that they were going out there and playing their heart out and like I think our fans saw that and then obviously unfortunately like all the blame turned to steel which I don't think it was entirely him obviously but I think it's just it's different in that sense of like this is a situation where it is very early and there seems to be a lot of I don't even know if it's more like uneasiness or just straight up like confusion about like what the purpose is and like what we're doing here as a program um and again like i said it's unfortunate especially for a team with such great tradition and history um to to be in a place like that it's hard for us to watch because i mean we both grew up with louisville basketball being one of the the top programs out there you know and so i think it's a little bit kind of what like our parents generation is going through right now like watching georgetown be awful like they're in shock because like they grew up with Ewing and like the you know the yeah. the the prime Big East days and like all that stuff and it's like so I think we're kind of in that same scenario here where it's like really weird to see such a great program hat like be in such a bad place. So, anywho, all right, well that'll wrap um, kind of majority of what we've got to talk about today. Um, obviously, going to wrap up with the Musketeer minute. Um, I'm going to kind of let Graham lead the segment. Um, but I think for the most part, we, 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 to some extent kind of expressed, um, you know, what, I guess what, what we wish would have happened, but overall, like not, we're not in a bad place. Like it's a good three loss team. Um, you know, and we played a couple of really good games. The Indiana game was really, it, it was really tough as, as a, from a fan perspective to swallow. But again, like, you know, that they went out there and played their hearts out and to some extent, like. I'm not going to say we got beat by one guy, but, like, Trace Jackson Davis had 30 points. And straight up, like, I didn't even, like, really realize that. Like, I was just like, oh, like, yeah, like, of course he played well. Like, you know, he's a National Player of the Year contender. Like, no surprise there. But when I looked at the box score after, I was like, oh, my God, he had 30 points. And it just seemed like every time he got under the hoop, like, he was making an angle to score. Um I think we had a really hard time containing him, but, um, and I think same deal with Timmy and, you know, in the Gonzaga game and Filipowski against Duke. And so overall, I think it's good experience. I think they're learning a lot from playing these really good, talented players. Um, and I think it's going to help overall. And I think we're learning a lot about the team too. Like we saw in that Gonzaga game, when we went out, what was it like a 24, seven run or 26, seven run there? Um, we went to that wildcat kind of four out one in offense and that like, the, you know the four round one setup seemed to work there so i think miller seeing miller experiment early and seeing us try some different things has been really fun to watch and see guys kind of you know come to their own a little bit colby jones in portland like while we went one and two guys started hitting some threes he went nine to ten over the tournament from three like that's a promising sign that's something we didn't see from him last year so again I think there's a lot of positives outside of the unfortunate you know kind of bottom line and final results so mm-hmm. um i think my biggest takeaway from, you know, the Phil Knight tournament and just overall in the other four games we've played is I don't think, and I mean this, like, completely, I don't think we've played a game all 40 minutes. And, um, for example, like, the Gonzaga game, like, we played, like, the final eight minutes of the first half and, like, the first, like, 15 of the second half um 
the Indiana game, I don't think we played like the first like 10 minutes of the second half. And while like there's extreme positives in some of like our hot stretches, you know, when Montana, you know, you go on like a 25 to 4 run and Gonzaga, you go on a 26 to 7 run, like that's all great. Um fact matters you're not gonna have that for a game like, i'm not expecting us you know to go these games and you know we beat gonzaga by 40 like obviously it's hard to turn the four or five minute run into 40 minutes a game i'm not expecting that but what i am expecting is just consistency that like it looks like we're competing and giving all of our energy on both ends of the floor for an entire game and it's been very um frustrating to see what we can be and then you look at the other stuff like our bad stretches of games and it's not like oh look what we're doing my opinion is look what we also could be like i don't think that we've completely found what our season's going to look like and sure you know we gave it to duke and gave it to gonzaga and indiana was a very close game um end of the day like that's three losses and we're one game above 500 um with um four games left before we hit the conference play so i think we really need to find quick what are we going to be and i think as soon as we play 40 minutes of the exact good xavier basketball then that's when i'll be like confident and i think um the the uh, southeast louisiana game which is uh, tonight as we're recording this is a great opportunity um, to piece it all together before uh, two tough games. Um, we play West Virginia, who isn't ranked, but I feel like they should be. Yeah, um, no, and this is a team that like early on in the season we were kind of like, oh, West Virginia, like whatever, they, yeah. they stunk last year, blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah, and at the same time, you know, uh, we talked about Shaka Smart and other good coaches of Virginia. Right. Like, if you have a good Huggins, coach, same like, deal. no matter what team, like, it's a, it's a fair <laughs> test. West Virginia's good. Metrically, they're very good. Defensively, they're always going to be good. It's Bob Huggins. Yeah. So to play that team, um, and it's going to be a great environment. For sure. On Saturday. And then to go at UC. UC has not looked good this year. Um, it's so still, far, they've dropped still some bad games. Me. They've beat some you know, poor teams. At the same time, it's a rivalry game. Uh, the stuff that you do before um, your rivalry game does not matter. Um, like you are zero and zero when you go to play that type of game. Totally agree. And when you go at UC, like, and it stinks because you know you hear uh, a lot of Cincinnati people give it to Xavier about like, oh Xavier only cares about crosstown shooters because like that's all they have at campus. They don't have a football team, whatever. Yeah. In my opinion, I throw right back to UC in terms of basketball. You don't have anything, so right. you need to beat Xavier. Like this is your identity, and. Uh, we have a really cool opportunity. Um, I can't remember how many times in a row it's been, but I know that um, Zach and Kiki have an opportunity to go, uh, and Deontay as well, 4-0. Just like what Scruggs did last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because Scruggs won four straight, but he lost his freshman year. I think that's how it went. Yeah. So to go, they have an opportunity to go undefeated in their crosstown. Um, it's same with you know Jack and... AK in their final years here. So it's going to be a great game. I'm really excited to see how that goes. But at the end of the the day, the Southeast Louisiana game is going to be a tough one, in my opinion. 
analytically they don't look that good but after that long trip yep. um physically opponents and they've hung around in most of their games well they haven't played any like crazy teams i mean it's still a game yeah. a late game might get a little uneasy you know that late tip so i think that is a perfect opportunity for us to play 40 minutes and move forward with the rest of the season i agree and i find it interesting too scheduling wise at least why how you come off a long trip like that and then you play on wednesday but then you have next week off. You know, I find that really interesting. Like, we play Saturday against West Virginia, and then we don't play again until the next Saturday against UC. So, um, I find that to be interesting, and I almost find that to, like, I don't know, be a little, like, unsettling. Like, I would think that the guys are going to get a little nervous next week, you know, going into, like, you know it's a high-stakes matchup. You're going on the road, like, and you have nothing else to focus on prior. You know, you've got a whole week to just kind of sit and, like, practice and go through everything all week which i think is good preparation wise but at the same time it does concern me a little bit just you know from a fan perspective so um but yeah so we'll see again i think we're in a good spot but i agree with you graham haven't played a full full 40 minutes and i think we've got three great or four really you know because we also play southern the tuesday or wednesday after um crosstown as our last uh non-con game We've got four opportunities to do that, I think. And I think you have to win these next four games and get on a little bit of a roll going into conference play because, again, like we both know, who knows what's going to happen in conference play. Um, We play UConn at home over break, which stinks because that's going to be a really tough matchup where a lot of our students and fans are going to be here. Um, So overall, I think it's it's an exciting time, but it's time to really get down to the almost the nitty-gritty and really lock in and focus here on these next few games and what's at hand. Um, before we get into conference play. So overall, that kind of wraps um, what we've got for you today. I think we'll just really briefly kind of put on your radar. Um, Big games coming up this week. Again, like I mentioned, Ohio State is going to Cameron Indoor tonight. I think that's maybe the non-ACC might be the best team I've ever in my life off the top of my head seen play at Cameron. Um, I feel like you never see good teams go there for uh, non-con games, so we'll be excited to see that. Uh, Michigan State plays at Notre Dame tonight. Again, Mike Bray, great team there. We'll see what they have. And then North Carolina in Assembly Hall at Indiana. Always going to be a good game when those two programs meet. Again, like we mentioned tomorrow, um, Creighton's going to Texas. Uh, UConn is also hosting Oklahoma State. Could be an interesting one to keep note of there. And then Seton Hall is playing at Kansas. Moving into Friday, we mentioned uh, we've got the Gonzaga at Baylor game. We also have Illinois going to Maryland. So a couple good games there. That Illinois-Maryland game holds a lot of intrigue for me. Also, Colgate playing Auburn. Auburn don't forget the two, fighting toothpaste. They're a pretty <laughs> solid team this year, um, as they were last year. So we'll see what uh, that brings. Um, St. Mary's-Houston Saturday should be a good one. Uh, and then Sunday, we've got Kentucky against Michigan at the 0-2 in London. I don't know why we're doing London games now, London. but I know that's what I said. Um, on Sunday, you said? On Sunday, yeah. At one on ABC. Um, so, yeah, excited for that one. Um, be excited to see what the crowd and the turnout is for that. The O2, yeah. as far as I understand, is a huge arena. So, I I don't know. I'll be I'll be interested to see uh, how it looks on TV and, and all that. So, um, but, yeah, that's the that's kind of the O2 arena is 20,000 people. It's only 20,000? Mm-hmm. I definitely thought it was more. Okay, fair enough. I mean, it double the size of Cintas. That's true. Yeah, and, I mean, it's a, it's definitely bigger than Chrysler and probably about the size of Rupp. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Well, it should be a good one. So, anyway, that wraps our uh, episode here. Sorry again for the delay. Um, 
but hopefully we got you all caught up here um all the content you need and again we'll get back to the weekly um recording sessions kind of as we get rolling here and then of course into you know the conference season you know both of us not going to be together um unfortunately back over you know zoom regular not pro um but just for a few short weeks and we'll be back again and get rolling into the flow of conference play so oh excuse me overall i think we've both really enjoyed kind of the start of the season we hope you all have as well um thanks again for sticking with us and, and listening in and uh Almost uh, just about the one year, or we kind of just passed the one year anniversary. So, cheers, cheers to you, Graham, and thanks for a great first year. And uh, yeah, looking forward to much, much more and many more pods uh, here to come. Yep, I hope everyone enjoys you know this uh, action-packed week of college basketball. Um, I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving, and we'll see you guys all next week. I promise. Cheers.